Before we get started, we have some very exciting news to share. The second annual PetCon NYC will take place November 17th and 18th at the Javits Center. In case you're not familiar, PetCon is two days of insightful panels, fun activations, and can't-miss meet-and-greets with your favorite celebrity pets like Tuna Melts My Heart, Harlow and Sage, and Hamlet the Piggy. You'll discover new brands and can shop our highly curated selection of innovative favorite products. Hang out in the dog adoption garden and adoptable cat cafe, and maybe even bring home a furry best friend or two. We just started selling tickets and have a limited number of early bird tickets available, so make sure to visit petcon.co, that's P-E-T-C-O-N.co, and get your tickets today. You won't want to miss this. Now back to our podcast. Hi, I'm Lonnie Edwards, the founder of The Dog Agency and Pet Insider, and you're listening to the Pet Insider Podcast. This is a show about the latest and greatest across the pet world. Whether you're a pet parent or just a little pet crazy, Pet Insider has you covered. We get it. We're obsessed too. So if you think that you are creating content and vacationing and sleeping in and relaxing, you have another thing coming. If you want that iconic landmark shot, you better be prepared to work for it. That was Hillary Sloan, human to the dog agency client and traveler extraordinaire, Ella Bean the Dog. Hillary will share her tips and tricks for traveling with a pet, both in the U.S. and abroad, and background on the Ella Bean family. Now let's get back to Hillary. Hillary, tell us about Ella. Ella Bean is a four-pound Yorkie mix with no teeth. Um, I rescued her from a shelter in Miami about 10 years ago. She was pulled out of a puppy mill. Um, for those of you who don't know, puppy mills are commercial dog breeding facilities that breed dogs for profit. So unfortunately, Ella was in really, really bad condition when I rescued her. And that was the first time I'd ever learned about puppy mills and um, the challenges of what happens behind the scenes of those cute puppies that you see in pet stores. And when you rescued Ella, did you expect her to change your life as much as she did? I absolutely did not expect Ella to change my life as much as she did. And I had no business getting a dog at that time. I was very young and I had already gotten uh, my first dog, Louie, and he was less than a year old. So I did not need a second dog at the time. Um, And it took a really long time for us to bond because she was so damaged and emotionally shut down. Um, I, I really didn't know what to expect. She was part of my life and part of my family, but it was sort of at arm's length and it, it really took a few years before she and I developed a close relationship. And honestly, when I started taking pictures of her for Instagram, things changed even more. Um, and it, it that opened me up to this entire new world where I met all of these other people who were deeply passionate about rescue. And as Ella sort of spent more and more time in front of the camera, she became more confident. We became more bonded to one another. Um, it's been a really, really powerful journey. So Instagram brought you guys closer together. That's incredible. Yeah, it's it's a weird, funny thing to say. But, you know, I think that um, I started Instagram accounts for both of my dogs at the time, Louie and Ella, and I really didn't know what was what. I You know, Louie is, I guess, more conventionally attractive, if you will. And so I always thought he was going to just blow up because he is such a beautiful dog. He's a cavalier for people who might not know. Yes, black and tan cavalier. <laughs> He's absolutely adorable. But I think what I didn't, what I underestimated at the time is that I think what people are looking for on social media is that kind of heart connection. And Ella is a little bit quirky looking. She's unique looking, but she's 
also looks enough like a Yorkie that people can kind of identify with her. But she's also got a huge personality and that just really shines through in the photos. And it turned out that she actually really liked it. Louis doesn't like posing for photos, which is why you might see him less on Instagram. He's no less loved, I promise you. (laughs) Um, But he doesn't enjoy it. He likes to sleep. He likes to play. That's what he likes to do. Ella, the moment you get that camera out or the phone out, she just hops right in front of it. I think that that... We started spending more time together because of that, just the two of us. And before that, it had always been the three of us. Uh, And then I met my husband and then the four of us. So I I think that we had never really spent that much one-on-one time before because she was, you know, she was the second child. Uh, And so that's interesting also how Louie is not an Instagram dog and doesn't enjoy it and how the dogs kind of self-select for this Instagram career. Can you touch on that a little more? Yeah, I think one of the biggest things that I get asked and and one of the most common um, direct messages or comments that I get on social media is how do I make my dog Instagram famous? And the, the thing is, is the first thing is, is does your dog like having his or her photo taken. If you are forcing it, it absolutely comes through. The dog looks scared in the camera. The dog doesn't want to pose. The dog is tense. And you can see in the dogs that are really, really Instagram famous that they are relaxed. They're, they have they can smile with their eyes. They're smizing in the words of Tyra Banks. <laughs> they you know, are, are giving face to the camera and they actually really enjoy it. And if you think about it, it makes a lot of sense. Dogs were meant to have jobs and not every dog is good at every job, just like humans. So uh, first came Louie, then came Ella, and then? Oh yes, our family has been growing. I saw a dog on Instagram who was one of these like incredibly quirky dogs, and I just fell in love with this dog. And long story short, it didn't work out, and I was devastated. And I kind of just like threw out there in the universe, I was like, I'm looking for, I want a chihuahua, I want it to be under four pounds. I want it to be a girl. I don't want it to be a puppy. I don't want it to be over five years old. And I had like this very long list of criteria and all my rescue friends and even being involved in rescue, we were we were all just like, this is never going to happen. <laughs> and then randomly, um, my good friend Dory, who is the human to the late, great Chloe Cardogian, RIP, we are thinking of you. She texted me one day, I was in a meeting <laughs> And she says, this woman I know via Instagram knows of another woman who is going to surrender her chihuahua. And um, I think that this fits your incredibly long list of criteria. And she sent me a photo that wasn't a very good photo. And I was in the middle of a meeting at work and I said, great, we'll foster. Which led to us meeting with the woman who was giving up the dog, understanding the depth of the story there and, and the circumstances, which I'm going to keep private for this woman's sake. But I think it's a, a really generous thing to know when a dog is not in the right home and to make sure that you're finding that dog a new home. So, it, you know, it was a private adoption. I have a lot of respect for this woman for for giving us the opportunity. And sure enough, that was Coconut. That was not her name at the time. We renamed her. Actually, my husband renamed her because we were at Whole Foods and he pointed to a coconut and was like, this is what that <laughs> chihuahua looks like. And hence, she has since been known as Coconut, also known as Cokie B, Cokie or Cookie on Instagram. She has a lot of names. And she's the strangest little creature I've ever met. She's three pounds of of something else. I mean, she's... Alien. She, yeah, we think we call her an alien. We always <laughs> say like she is an alien wearing a chihuahua suit and she, you know, she likes to sing and we always say that she's singing her national anthem and she likes to drag the dog beds around the house and organize them in a row, which we call Chihuahua Henge. We say she's from the planet Chihuahuan. Yeah, she's got a whole, a whole backstory that we've created for her. 
And uh, what's the the best part of it is that um, she and Ella really took to each other, and those two are are actually incredibly bonded, which is not a thing I would have expected with how dominant Ella is. And they cuddle every single night, and it's so sweet. And then after Coconut came... Well, whenever people ask me how many dogs I have, I kind of just like immediately turn neon red because I am self-conscious about the fact that indeed I do have four dogs. And this is the first time I've actually said that out loud in a public space. Um, We uh, saw an Instagram also. It's all about Instagram from the rescue organization Social Tees back in March. And it was this dog that I mean, I don't even know what she looks like, like a long-haired gremlin from outer space and <laughs> I, I see him yeah she's like I, I do like it I do like a gremlin alien look um and I messaged my husband and I was like this dog is in need of a foster look how cute and I expected him to shut me down because who needs four dogs in the house and for those of you who know me and who know Ella's story also know I'm going through a really tremendous recovery and from a, a terrible injury so the last thing we needed was another dog um but for some reason my husband responded so cute let's do it and i was just shocked and this this really did start as a genuine foster with no intention to keep this dog we were completely unprepared in what we were in store for uh my husband went and picked the dog up and she's more or less feral she was surrendered to animal control by her owner um, for being vicious and she was skin and bones Lonnie you met her and touched her it was like touching a bag of bones and they said she should be put down because she yeah, was so vicious. so vicious yeah she was on the kill list and so super thank you to uh, social tees for for going to ACC and pulling dogs out and giving dogs that are at risk a second chance and and frankly this dog was unmanageable you really couldn't handle her she was also in a lot of pain and it was non-specific we think toward her neck but it was really hard to know because you couldn't touch her you couldn't handle her I was obviously in not a great place health-wise and we both were like why did we do this but for some reason over that first week I started taking her out for walks because we couldn't have the dog walker take her out because nobody else could really handle her and it was the first time I'd really like started to leave the house since my injury. I'd, I'd basically not left the house. I'd avoided being around people and, and had a lot of issues with all of that. And all of a sudden this started to become part of my routine that I was walking this dog a couple times a day. Um, and through that time, I think we both really helped each other. And over time, she became a little bit easier to manage and a little bit easier to touch and started to trust us. And we started to trust her and it it evolved from there. She's a challenge. She's got some very serious uh, fear aggression issues. We've both been bitten. My mother-in-law was bitten. A handful of other people <laughs> have been almost bitten. Um, and we're really working hard on that. We're working with a behaviorist and we ultimately made the decision to keep her because we knew that we had the patience and resources to help her work through that. And while what you see on Instagram is a beautiful, adorable, tiny, fluffy dog, we're actually dealing with some really serious behavior issues and and we actually don't know what kind of health issues are going to come our way because she still has some pain and things are a little bit too unstable behaviorally for us to to get her into a vet without sedating her. So we want to give her a little more time. And so Coconut also had some issues that you had to deal with when you got her. Can you talk about that? Yeah, absolutely. So Coconut came to us with some very, very serious uh, luxating patellas. Um, that's when the kneecap slides out of place. Um, normally, it's actually super common with small dogs. It's congenital. It comes from, you know, breeding. It's a, it's a genetic thing. And Coconut was purchased from a pet store originally, so it's not super shocking that she had some issues. It's, it's pretty common for those kinds of dogs. But hers was unfortunately so severe that she couldn't really walk. Um, and she 
she, even in the first two weeks we had her, we could tell that she was just in so much pain. I had the opportunity to connect with the Humane Society of New York, and they just so happened to have a visiting orthopedist in town and fit us in, and it kind of all really just came together. And we took her in for an examination, and they x-rayed her, and and the, the orthopedist came back and said this is one of the worst cases she'd ever seen, and she wanted to operate that same day. And here I was with this dog that I didn't know who'd been in my house for all of a week and a half, and I'm handing her over to get surgery. And it was it was extremely nerve-wracking. But the dog that we got back after that surgery, I will never forget. This dog was not attached to me. I was not attached attached to her. It was not love at first sight. But when the vet brought her out after her surgery, when she was ready to go home that day, she saw me and she started trying to get to me. And that was basically it for us. Um, and then I've really just been in love with her ever since. And we did, I want to say, three or four months of physical therapy. Um, including water therapy and laser therapy and um really cute videos on instagram yeah there's super cute videos on on instagram it's in our highlights it's the cutest thing ever um and then we actually had to go back and do her second hind leg because she was still having some difficulty with that leg the second surgery was much easier because if you think about it she had a strong leg to stand on versus the first surgery where she got one leg operated on still had a bad leg so she had no legs Uh, so it was much easier we were also a lot closer and trusted each other she was not as you know it was it was just a really good experience and we went back and did another three months of physical therapy and at home we still do her exercises it's a part of our routine and it's made her really well trained um and she's just like the strangest little alien creature and she just you would never know that she was in the pain that she was in or had the kind of medical issue she had i mean that dog runs in circles and she loves to chase her tail (laughs) it's really cute i've yet to get it on video but it's so cute and you know just seeing her thrive has been it's been such a source of joy. I mean, all of my rescue dogs, it's been like, we joke that we are the home for the teeny tiny disabled <laughs> left behind. Beans. Beans. And they are all our little beans. So. And so what's the, the newest Beans official name? So the official name is Fifi Von Bean. She is uh, the elegant cousin, sister, sibling of the existing Beans. If you look at her, she's very, very elegant. Um, for those of you who follow Ella, formerly known as Miranda. So a big part of Ella's brand is travel. Where has Ella traveled? I think the bigger question is where hasn't Ella traveled at this (laughs) point? Um, So, you know, Ella over time as we got closer, she became a lot. She's just a very chilled out dog. She's so easygoing and she just likes to be with people and um, not a whole lot phases her. And so we thought it would be really fun. We were going to Miami for my birthday a few years ago. We had just started the Instagram, not, you know, two months before. And uh, we were going to Miami for my birthday. And I thought, like, it's a short flight. Like, let's try and bring her. So we brought her with us to Miami. And she could have cared less about being on the plane. She just was so unfazed by the whole thing and just so excited that at the airport, people wanted to pet her. And on the airplane, People wanted to pet her. And then when we landed in Miami, everyone wanted to pet her. So she was just the happiest. And we got to the the hotel and it was right when One Hotel Miami Beach opened and they were actually in soft launch. The whole hotel wasn't open yet. So we'd gotten a really good deal. And I photographed her on, on the bed in their like beautiful hotel room. And we went out and we're walking around Miami and we're walking the dog. And I look at my email and all of a sudden I had an email from the hotel's PR company asking us if we'd be willing to help them make content. Because one of the things about one hotel is how dog friendly they are. Their PR agency understood very quickly that tapping into influencers who are making really high quality content was going to help them attract like-minded audiences. 
And this was the first time Ella had been asked to do anything. And I was so excited. I thought I had made it. That was it. <laughs> it was awesome. And they were super generous and, you know, gave us comped food and cabanas in exchange for content creation. And again, I thought it was the best thing ever. That was that was the first trip. And when we realized how unfazed she was by, by travel from there, we started just increasing the length of the flights to see how she did, to see if there was a point where she got uncomfortable. My company where I work full-time, Ella Bean is not my full-time job is based in San Francisco. So I thought, okay, well, I'm going to try this. I'm going to try going cross country. It's a six hour flight. If she can do this and she's cool, we can bring her to Europe. And so it was like the big test. And I was so nervous and for no reason at all. Ella loves her travel bag. She has one specific bag that is a Sherpa and it is sized for airline regulations. You should always, always look up the sizes that matter. Um, But Sherpas are really great. They've got a lot of air ventilation. They have the cozy fleece bottom. Dogs who travel on airplanes should have a bag that they feel comfortable in. And we actually use this bag specifically for airline travel. And so whenever it comes out, Ella just hops in it. She thinks she's going someplace. And she she understands now that the bag means that she goes someplace where she usually hangs out with us alone without other dogs and gets fed people food. So that's why she loves to travel. Um, so to answer your question in a very roundabout way, we started with Miami, then was... Um, I believe Austin, Texas for South by Southwest, a lot of travel related to my job. And then we tried cross country to San Francisco and then back cross country to LA. And then that summer we brought her overseas and we did um, all over Northern Italy, Venice, Lake Como, Portofino, and then back home. We went to Paris last year, I was speaking at a conference. And so I brought her to Paris for just three nights and I thought, oh, this is really gonna mess her up. She could have cared less. She just wanted the baguettes. dog loves a croissant. Aruba, we went to Colorado. We've been to Miami a few times, actually. We've been uh, to Paris, the south of France, Rome, the Amalfi Coast. We go upstate a lot, um, which is, I know, not as glamorous, but I love it. Um, To the Hamptons, you name it, we want to do it. We're open to it. We love to travel with her, and we find that traveling with her is so much fun because it opens us up to conversations that you wouldn't otherwise have with people, whether you're local in the U.S. or abroad. So what are your recommendations for people who are getting ready to travel with their pet for the first time? Make sure that they're super comfortable in the bag. Make sure that you've met all of the airline requirements ahead of planning. You've spoken to the airline. If you're flying with the pet in cabin, make sure you've spoken to the airline special services and paid for your pet's ticket. If your pet is flying cargo, make sure all of that is arranged and your pet is super comfortable in his crate. If you're flying someplace, I always try and make my flights direct without layovers because it's less stressful for the dog. And of course they're holding it and not going to the bathroom for most of that travel time. The quicker you can make the experience, the better for everyone. And uh, yeah, I mean, I think if you do all of those things and your pet is relaxed about it, then those are the main things. Other than that, don't forget to pack the food that your pet is comfortable on so you don't have weird stomach issues. Keep your dog food in your carry-on. Do not put your dog food in something that you check because then it can get lost and then you're gonna deal with stomach issues. You know, making sure that you have everything you need for the trip. It's, you know, bring poop bags. Don't assume that wherever you're going, it's going to be easy to find things like that to buy. If your dog has a favorite toy or a blanket, make sure that you have it with you. And frankly, your dog's needs, it's kind of like a kid, supersede your own. So all of your dog's things should be in your carry-ons. That way, if you get laid over or delayed, you have access to everything your dog may need. And for traveling internationally, what are the things that people need to consider? 
Absolutely. So you will need a set of paperwork from your veterinarian and um, signed and stamped by the USDA Agriculture Department in order to travel internationally. This is literally the most stressful part of traveling internationally. You need to get all of that paperwork done in the 10 days before you uh, land in the country that you are planning to go to. And you need to keep in mind that if you are on an overnight flight, the 10th day is counted as the day that you actually land in the country of your destination. So I usually pick the morning of the 10th day before, so that way I have plenty of time to take care of everything. Um, You go to your vet, they perform an exam, ask you some questions and provide some paperwork to you. Uh, There's a USDA Department of Agriculture office in every single state that you can mail your paperwork to. Or uh, some airports have Department of Agriculture uh, offices at them. So you're going to want to do your research. And then you have two options. You can either go to the airport and bring your paperwork to be stamped by the USDA there. And I usually overnight it to the USDA. And then you include a prepaid mailing envelope back to you. Again, I always do everything overnight. So that way I have plenty of time if there is an issue that I can run to JFK if I need to to get my paperwork stamped. And then um, something that people should also keep in mind is that if they have a layover, they need to comply with the laws of the layover country as well as the final destination. That is true. That's a tricky one. (laughs) Yes, I know you've run into that one before. Um, So yes, we always really try, especially internationally, to to do direct flights. So that's one of the reasons that we've gone to the kinds of destinations we've gone. When we go to France, we can fly in through Paris. It's a direct flight from New York. When we go to Italy, we've flown to Rome and Milan. It's super easy. There's not a direct flight between New York and Naples. So when we go to southern Italy, we usually will start somewhere else and make our way down there. And with airlines too, knowing what country, where the airlines operated, because they have... So this is a key thing. The (laughs) airlines, and this is where it gets tricky. When you are flying internationally, you want to, the easiest thing is to be on a U.S. owned and operated flight. And what that means is if you are flying, for instance, Delta, you do not want to be on Air France operated by Delta. We recently ran into this when we were going to Italy and we had booked a Delta flight and the flight out was via Alitalia. And I thought, didn't think anything of it. Alitalia is a dog-friendly airline. It clearly states it on their website that you can call and book a ticket for your dog. So I call to book my ticket for my dog and it turns out that there is this incredibly weird loophole where if you book on Delta.com and have a sub, a flight that is operated by a subsidiary you cannot add a pet to your flight and this is true i learned across the board and it doesn't say it anywhere so this is a pro tip you want to be on the delta operated flight that is actually a delta airplane Um, you also want to you know being on american united any of the u.s carriers is absolutely fine and i find it to be the easiest that said if you want to fly Air France or Alitalia or one of the other international pet-friendly airlines, you must book directly from their website. You cannot book from a third party like Expedia. You want to make sure you book it directly. There are a lot of nuances in terms of um, travel agencies and all of that. So easiest, US owned and operated. Second easiest, book directly on the carrier and make sure that they're pet-friendly. 
How do you pick what hotels you stay at? How do you make sure that they're pet friendly enough? What are the differences between different types of pet friendly hotels? This is a really important question because some hotels are completely pet friendly. You can book your hotel and not worry about a thing. And some hotels you roll in and all of a sudden you've got a $100 a night fee. And just because a hotel says it's pet friendly does not mean it's fee free. And you want to make sure that you are doing all of your research and that it's within your budget to travel to that place or that hotel beforehand. Um, That certainly informs my choice. I try and look for no fee pet friendly because also that tends to mean that they're the pet friendliest. So I typically will sort by pet friendly on hotels.com or Ebates or wherever it is that I'm shopping for hotels and I start there. That doesn't always mean I'll book through those sites. It's just how I sort of sort originally. And then I usually will do a Google search for pet friendly hotels and wherever the destination is that we're going, which can sometimes surface like new or emerging hotels that aren't quite on the larger sites radars. Um, And then from there... Well, I always look for quality because <laughs> I like a fancy hotel and so does Ella Bean. And so we start there. I'll, I'll isolate it down to like the top hotels that are that are pet friendly. And then from there, look at who has fees, who doesn't, how much is this going to cost um, and usually make a choice from there. And, and I certainly have book travel based on hotel friendliness. So the hotel that we stayed at in Portofino was actually ranked one of the pet friendliest hotels in the world. And I chose it specifically for that because they had a canine masseuse on site. <laughs> they had dog they had a dog-friendly hotel menu. It was my first time encountering any of this, and it was in in Italy, and it was so over the top and amazing, and Ella was just treated like a queen, and it was so much fun. The same thing with our recent trip to the south of France. Well, frankly, if you have a dog, France is quite literally, I think, one of the best places to go. We learned that the only places you cannot bring your dog are where there are specific signs that say no dogs. Everywhere else is fair game, including inside restaurants. So Ella has been to Michelin-starred restaurants. She's been served water and snacks there. Um, She pretty much came everywhere with us in France. And by the way, if you want to make friends with the French, bring your dog. All of a sudden, we were rock stars. Like We literally could not go anywhere without French people speaking to us. And that has never happened to me traveling there before. So it was so much fun. I highly recommend. There's actually a great article in the New York Times about traveling to France with your dog. Um, Google that. It's, It's really fun. Highly recommend. And this resort that we stayed at in the south of France was not just pet friendly, but over the top pet friendly. She laid by the pool with us. And that's a big thing too. Just because a hotel is pet friendly doesn't mean you can bring your dog with you everywhere. Particularly in the US, dogs typically are not allowed inside restaurants. They are not always allowed at outdoor areas either. Usually not allowed by pools. Usually not allowed by pools, which is annoying because how do you get the content? (laughs) Yeah, it's all about the content. How am I supposed to get the pool content if I can't bring her by the pool? Anyway, I understand that they're not allowed in the pools. It's a problem for me, but you know. cabanas. A cabana will work. (laughs) We've got some great cabana photos. And also some other restrictions. Uh, Some only allow one pet. Some have weight limits. Some have limits on types of dogs or types of animals. So make sure that you're really doing your research. And then particularly in Europe, don't be afraid to ask. We recently, when we were flying out of um, France, we flew home through Paris and I really wanted to stay at this new um, super hip artsy hotel that was in the Marais. And on one site, it said they were dog friendly and on another site, it didn't. So I called the hotel directly and I just asked and I said, this says it's dog friendly, this says it's not. I have a two kilogram dog who's super well trained. What is the situation? And in the most French response ever, he said, it's not a problem for him. So I didn't really know what that meant, but I decided to gamble it and just 
get his name so that way I could refer back to the conversation when I landed. And we, sure enough, we got to, to Paris and got to the hotel and there was not a sign that said no dogs allowed. And even though there were no other dogs, Ella was welcomed with open arms. I love the French. And when you're traveling, do you plan your activities around Ella? How do you go about that? Yes. Um, I think it's really important. I think I've said this 500 times, but when you are taking your dog out of their environment, when you are asking them to, you know, model for you on Instagram and do work for you, you have to respect them. And so I always try and plan dog friendly activities for most of the morning and afternoon. And then we'll usually come back to the hotel and rest a little bit before dinner. And then anything we want to do that's not dog friendly, we'll leave her to catch up on her sleep and take a nap. You know, even if we're going to a place that might be dog friendly for dinner, let her have that downtime. Because at home, our dogs sleep most of the day. They're not up, out and about. So it's really tiring for them and you need to be respectful of that. So we always try and make sure that she has plenty of downtime built in. Uh, museums are never dog friendly. I've never found a museum that let me take her with me. So if there are any museum listeners out there and you'd like to invite us, we'd love to come. But uh, so we typically will do that, those kinds of things in the afternoon as well, or plan that for first thing in the morning and then go back home to the hotel and pick her up. Um, but it's again, just make sure that you are, as you're building your itinerary, you are in proximity to bring the dog back to the hotel before you carry on to something that may not be pet friendly. Make sure you do your research on what is or isn't pet friendly. Funny irony, the parks in France are typically not dog friendly. Um, for one of the dog friendliest places I've ever been, they don't, you know, they don't want lifted legs on these highly manicured gardens, which makes sense. So you will not see a dog in the Tuileries. Well, you might see Ella in the Tuileries, but I definitely got yelled at, so don't try it. <laughs> and so when you're speaking of content creation, uh, do you wake up early to get these shots when there aren't people around? How do you plan that piece of it? The life of an Instagram mom is not a joke. It is a serious, a serious undertaking, and you have to be super committed. Most of my favorite shots that we have in highly trafficked tourist locations were taken before 7.30 a.m. We typically will find that we are there with the other fashion bloggers who are out taking photos of themselves with those locations and we all are respectful to each other and allow each other time and then we move on wait in line yeah we wait in line we we help each other out you know this is a really good angle or the light's great over here and they're typically amused that i'm doing what i'm doing with a dog i one time woke up at 5 a.m to shoot in soho and i really wanted this shot and there was a blogger on the corner shooting in that same location and she would just not get out of my way. She just was not willing to share the corner. We did not get the shot, but we went uptown and got uptown around 7.45 a.m. and got a shot at- uh, I know in, exactly what shot Yeah, in about. front of Bergdorf's with and it's one of- bags. And it's with all of these teeny <laughs> little shopping bags in front of Bergdorf Goodman. And it's one of my favorite photos I've ever taken in New York. True story, I was coming down with the flu at the time and didn't know it. I didn't know why I felt so awful and sweaty. I just thought it was waking up early, but no. Shooting with the flu is a real thing. Uh, the shot that we have of Ella in front of the Eiffel Tower was a 7 a.m. shot. Um, I went and did it one day and it was cloudy and I wasn't happy. I really wanted blue skies and Eiffel Tower. I went back the next day. My phone got stolen, so I call it the $1,500 Instagram because I had to go buy a new phone. The shot that we have in front of the Trevi Fountain in Rome 
that was even earlier. Uh, we found that if you got there at 7.30, you were already too late. The brides were there. The bloggers were there. It was a mess. So we got there even earlier. I want to say 6.45 or 7. So if you think that you are creating content and vacationing and sleeping in and relaxing, you have another thing coming. If you want that iconic landmark shot, you better be prepared to work for it. It's, it's fun. I mean, I'm not going to... I love that. The photo of Ella in front of Bergdorf's, the photo of her in front of um, the Eiffel Tower, in front of the Coliseum. Like, those are some of my favorite photos I have. They're just so funny. They're, they're, they make me laugh. One of my favorite parts of traveling with Ella is that when we are traveling, Ella is typically recognized even more than when we're in the United States. And if you think about it, it makes sense. If, you, if you're traveling as well and you're looking at the hashtags or the geolocations and you see this cute dog and you keep seeing the cute dog in the location or you follow already or you follow because you've seen the cute dog traveling in the same location of where you've been, where you're going, wherever, you're going to notice and recognize and we get recognized more often overseas than we do here. Even actually upstate, we get recognized pretty often. Ella was spotted twice in Capri and recognized. She was spotted twice in Portofino and recognized. Um, Rome, we didn't get any inquiries, but you know, it's okay. Rome, you're all right. Milan, we got recognized in the train station. Um, Yeah, it's really funny. When we were in Paris, one of my favorite things that happened, um, we were only there for two nights and it was a short trip, but it was so exciting. This girl who is a huge Ella Bean fan, I, I mean, I see her liking and commenting. It turns out that she was doing her summer internship in Paris and she messages me, I have to meet Ella Bean. Is there any way you can make this work? And I'm tired. I'm traveling. I'm about to go home the next day after a long, long journey. And I say to her, if you can meet us at this restaurant where we're having dinner, I'm more than happy to like have you take a photo with her and meet her and say hi. And I was not expecting her to say yes, because this is all last minute. Like meet me in two hours and then you can meet Ella. And she was there. She made it happen. And it was so much fun putting a smile on her face. And we gave her some, you know, Ella Bean merch, some stickers and pins. And it was it was so much fun connecting with someone in a place that you wouldn't expect to who's been following Ella's journey from the beginning. Mexico is very, very easy easy for Americans to travel to. You don't need all of the paperwork that you need for Europe. You just need a health certificate, which you can get signed from your vet. You don't need the USDA information. We almost went to Mexico last fall, but there was an earthquake problem. So we pivoted and went to Nantucket instead. Canada is also really easy to go to. Um, randomly aruba was very easy to go to i was very nervous about the caribbean but aruba in particular you just need your paperwork and then you email it to an email address that you're thinking who's ever going to respond to me but i got a response within a few hours they emailed me back permission they just want to see your stamped paperwork and then they email you back within a few hours and and send you a form that you also print out and bring with you and then you breeze right through customs it was no big deal we have not been to puerto rico but that's very dog friendly and easy to get in and out of there's so many places that we're dying to go and dying to bring ella and you know, we joke that she's more well-traveled than some humans and, you know, she's super well-behaved and I think that that makes it pleasant. Try not to travel with a dog who's got separation anxiety. There's nothing worse than leaving a dog in a hotel room and getting a call from the hotel that your dog is barking or scratching or causing trouble. Ella goes to sleep and she's happy. And I, I think that if I could leave everyone anything, it's know your dog and be honest and be realistic and start small. We started with road trips. We started with Airbnb. We started with um, 
friends' houses. We started with cars. We started with a one and a half hour flight. We really incrementally worked our way up to make sure that Ella was comfortable with what we were doing. And I would never force that on a dog. And, and I hope that all of our listeners love their dogs enough to know that you shouldn't either. That said, traveling with your dog is so fun. Has anyone been away on a long trip and you you don't have your dog with you and you just see any dog or any animal? Like all of a sudden I'm a cat lover on a trip without <laughs> my dogs. So any animal, you just want to touch it. And um, having your pet with you is is another level of fun and it exposes you to new things. One of my favorite things is to go to pet stores internationally in different countries and see the different brands and products and types of things that they have. And it's so it's like a window into another culture. It's a different kind of lens to look at um, your travel through. And uh, like, you've discovered amazing brands. Oh, yeah. That. Louis, his favorite toy is a gray pig from Paris, which makes the weirdest noise. It makes ever. the weirdest noise. <laughs> but what's really funny is this pig is actually iconic to this one pet store. It's called Moustaches. And they have a bin of these pigs. We learned this over years of going back to Paris. Um, they have a bin of these pigs and there's rotating colors. So every time we or someone we know goes to Paris, they bring back another pig. And so we have like a long row of these strange pigs. But Louis knows which is the original pig, and that is the pig. It is his favorite <laughs> pig, his French pig. We named him Napoleon. Dog clothes internationally are also fun. We've just we've just discovered so many fun things. Have fun with it. It's it's meant to be fun. It shouldn't be stressful for you or your dog. Find local pet owners. When we were recently in Rome, we were made aware from one of our followers of this dog park that, you know, you wouldn't find this on TripAdvisor or through your research. You know, none of that would be in English. And we went to this incredible park that was sort of overlooking the entire city. And it was all of these Italian dogs and Italian dog owners just hanging out and, you know, drinking wine and their dogs running about. It was just so much fun and just a totally different lens through which to see the world. That was Hilary Sloan. Human to the dog agency client and traveler extraordinaire, Ella Bean the Dog. To keep up with Ella and her siblings, follow Ella Bean the Dog on Instagram. We hope you enjoyed the episode. Please leave us an awesome review and make sure to subscribe so you don't miss a thing. If you have any pet-related topics you want us to cover, email us at podcast at petinsider.com. To listen to past episodes, visit petinsider.com slash podcast. I'm Lonnie Edwards, and thank you for listening to the Pet Insider Podcast. Talk soon.